0: That's N-O-O-M to sign up for your trial today.
1: Welcome to another In The Pen podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm back. You've probably missed this fine voice of mine. But Callen is back, and I'm back as the host. Thank you, Jake, for stepping in as the interim host for all of these past couple of weeks. And we got good news. If you liked Jake's analysis, which I'm sure you did, he'll be sticking on board with us for the rest of the season, along with, as usual, with our bullpen expert, Rick Graham. So, guys, thank you for coming on. How How's everything going?
2: I can't complain. <laughs> I can't <laughs> complain. It's football season. I know Jake's not a big fan, but I mean, we got two of us on here who, uh, we, we're big into football. So it's, uh, it's, it's always fun to, you know, get that started up once the baseball season starts winding down.
0: Yeah, it's been, uh, Pretty pretty chilling, just trying to uh, survive the last month of the baseball season, trying to fend off all the football lovers, trying to keep the football off my Twitter timeline, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's going to be difficult, especially talking to you guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were talking, Rick and I were talking football before the show started. And once Jake came in the room, he shut that down very fast. So <laughs> This that's the is last a baseball f-
0: podcast.
1: That's the last bit of football you'll hear from us. Everyone's talking football. We'll talk football off the air, but... There's still plenty of baseball to talk about. We're in our home stretches. Some of you are probably in the playoffs, and we want to continue to bring you that hard-hitting analysis to get you that edge with relievers like we've been doing all season. So I know a lot of things may have changed since I've been gone, but we still do the three-up, three-down start the show, right? That's still, that's, still a thing. that's still a thing?
2: We're still still rolling with that, yeah. Still
1: rolling with that. <laughs> let's All right, let's roll. Let's get it going. Rick, who has been rising up your ranks these past couple of days? Who's some of the three-up
2: uh, so I had Jimmy Hurgan moving up the list again, which I think it, he was on the list last week as, a, as someone moving up. Um, just, you know, basically his, him being the closer and for the Angels is about almost by default, just keep, keeps pushing him up the list as we get more and more, I guess, uncertainty in other places. Um, and same with kind of Ian Kennedy in Arizona. He's been, having a great year there and I was, he's having a great second half right now and he's definitely just distanced himself from Mark Melanson and and kind of everyone else outside of maybe Joe Mantiply, but I don't think they really like Mantiply in the closer role necessarily. So it's been Kennedy getting the bulk of the saves there. So I think he deserves a little bit more. I've had him at like 30 for a while. I think he deserves a little bit of a bump. Um, And Josh Hader is, I think, back to closing out games for San Diego. He had another save last night. No strikeouts, but it was a clean inning for him, so definitely good to see that. Um, it looks like they're going to just they, – they really are going to push him to, you know, win that ro- – to keep that role, and he'll be their closer moving forward. So as long as he's in that role, he's definitely, you know, someone we can't forget about.
1: Jake, you have anything more you want to add about those guys or Rick kind of hit the nail on the head there?
0: I mean, we'll have a chance to talk more about Hayter, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. I'm not too convinced that he is back into the closer role just yet. But Jimmy Herget's been, you know, the clear cut co- closer in Los Angeles, which has made him very valuable in fantasy leagues because anybody that's a clear cut closer, no matter what type of team you're on is probably going to be pretty good as long as you're not terrible. And he's been doing that. And Ian Kennedy, I, I don't know. He just, he hasn't been, been too great, but I know that you've been waiting all year for this moment. <laughs> I, 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 I no. was waiting.
1: I, I was waiting. I've, since we started doing this <laughs> show, I've been trying to get Ian Kennedy to be their closer and it only took me leaving for my break from to finally do something. So, <laughs> Nice to know I ha finally have some sort of impact on this season. <laughs> but as always, once some people go down up, there has to be relievers that go down. And there's some intriguing names. A lot of them were involved in the trade deadline who were down this week. Rick, who let's let's hear it.
2: Yeah, so I mean Kenley Jansen continues to have a little bit of a second half um scuffle right now. I don't I think he's he should be safe. Um But you have to wonder, like they brought Rizel Iglesias over there. Obviously, he has plenty of closer experience, and he's been pitching well for them. Um, Is that some type of switch they make right now in season? I don't know, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, So the other two, you know, Jorge Lopez has been very mediocre, okay at best for Minnesota. I, I think I've we've talked about him a little bit in the past and. I just, I think, with them battling right now, and like they 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 need to really make up some ground to to get into the playoffs. They wouldn't be completely surprising if they just start, you know, saying, you know what, we're just going to ride John Duran for like to the last two innings of every game that we have a lead in or something moving forward I, or, or even, you know, Fulmer hasn't pitched great for them, but they have other options there. Griffin Jacks. I mean, he's been good. I, they, they might change some things up there. And then, uh, yeah, David Robertson, Philadelphia, Sir Anthony Dominguez is starting a to rehab tonight. So if he's back next week, that could knock Robertson out of the role, even though he doesn't really technically have the role. Um, and there's other, you know, that, 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 the whole closer situation in Philadelphia could get weird once Sir Anthony Dominguez comes back with, you know, Jose Alvarado's been pitching extremely well lately. I wonder if he starts factoring into the mix, which would be a surprise. But, I mean, he's been their best reliever the second half. So, just, uh, yeah, those guys are kind
0: of starting to worry about.
1: Same thing, Jake. Anything more to add or moving moving on?
0: I think I'm more most worried about Jorge Lopez in that group. I think the big part of his breakout was him turning into a strikeout pitcher, which saw him strike out 27.5% of batters with Baltimore in the first half of the season. But since the trade, he's gotten back down to below his career rate. He's at 18.9%, so basically 19% out of his career. He's 20%, just about. So the fact that he's stopped striking out guys, and it's not because he's become a finesse pitcher, he's actually walking more batters than he did in Baltimore, which has led to a 1.42 whip since coming over to the AL Central. It's, it's very worrying, especially with like Rick said, the glut of talent they have out there in Minnesota. I think obviously everyone thinks Yoan Duran should be a big part of that bullpen, especially in the late innings. And he has been, but not really as the clear cut closer out there, but Lopez definitely should be wary of his role out there and that he may be losing, losing the grasp of it, especially with a team that has to win the division if they want to make the playoffs. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's been completely interesting. I mean, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know our affinity for Johan Duran. We've probably mentioned his name at least once a show because we've all wanted him to become something. And, that, and now that's finally emerging. The Twins are at the point in the season now where they need to start winning games. They're battling that AL Central in a couple games back of Cleveland. So if it means they got to make that switch and get Duran out there, it really should be so really, I'm intrigued to see whether he takes that. I've actually started stashing him in some of my home leagues just to trying hope i guess can pick that up right and Hmm. uh, i would definitely say do the same because of the ones you said i think i would agree with jake that's the one I'm most concerned about most i think it's the most one you can be most active about throughout the of those three and then for kenley jansen how could i guess rate how how concerned would you be that he's gonna lose his job do you stash iglesias if you need saves off that or probably not
2: I, I think it depends on your league type, but like it, it doesn't hurt to have Iglesias on your team because he, he's still, for the most part, he's gonna he's not gonna hurt you. He's gonna and he can add strikeouts. So if you even you know, just having him stashed, if you're in a deeper league, I don't see the downside in it. But don't go dropping you know our guys who are already in closer roles for him yet.
0: And don't forget that Iglesias has a 0.61 ERA in 14 and two thirds innings with Atlanta.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's been really good at that trade. I know it's been about a month, but when that happened, that was one of those ones that was a real head scratcher to me. I, can't, I couldn't believe L.A. was already willing to, to move on and honestly didn't even get too much back for him. So that was a real heads, smart trade by the Braves and not so much by the Angels. But it'll be interesting to see whether there's any sort of switch out there let's move over to the news we've had a little bit more to cover you kind of previewed at the beginning of the show talked about a couple of it but we'll start off with ryan presley this situation continues to make me scratch my head even more at the latest seemed like he was going to be coming back now they're, they're holding him out more jake can you try and give me a little bit more update about what's going on with ryan presley when do you think we'll see him again
0: I wish I had (laughs) more updates. Um, I I guess I need to call my my contacts over in the Astros organization, uh, bang some trash cans for me. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know that's a touchy subject, sorry. Um, (laughs) Nonetheless, I I think, I mean, we we were talking about this before we hit record, but it, it seems like with the Astros' grasp of the division lead in the AL West, they seem to have no problem with just allowing him to get healthy not pushing him back because they don't really have much to play for like they're they're pretty much locked into the best record in the american league so they don't really have to worry about pushing their closer and i'm sure they'd rather have him healthy in october than have him healthy now and not healthy later so if a few if if a few more days on the il gives him the rest he needs to come back 100 and be healthy through the postseason then i'm sure they'll trade that because presley's been great all year i remember when the season started and he was just terrible and then he he hit the il for about a month and i, I was sort of scared as as a owner of him in a, a as a roster person of him a manager of him in, a, in multiple <laughs> leagues i say that without being offensive think, thinking of them as assets but um yeah he's really turned it around since the, re- the rest of the season, I think in like 18 and two thirds since about the end of June, he's got a 1.93 ERA and he's got like 11 saves or something. I've been really looking like old Presley again, but I, I think if I were running the Astros and somebody told me, hey, if you just wait four more days to activate him or-, or six more days, he's gonna be all the better and we'll have a better chance of winning in the postseason. I think I would put that ahead of, you know, letting him rack up saves during the regular season
1: and rick while we wait for ryan presley to return i'm sure we t- we talked about it in the past co- in a couple shows for now but who who remains the guy you want to uh, roster in houston is there anyone creeping up or is it a, the clear let's try and settle the situation out. what's the save situation out in houston
2: uh, i think it, originally you know, i was thinking it would be more hector naris and i know people like will smith's name's been thrown around but it looks like rafael montero's the guy to uh the roster there for the short term. Um, he's been getting the bulk of the chances. Uh, I mean, I think we kind of touched on it a lot when this when he first landed on the IL, about Brian Abreu, and he's been he's still he's been one of the best relievers, you know, the past couple three two three months. Um, kind of an unheralded name there, and I don't know if he, he he start he's just starting to get into the holds mix. He hasn't really even. He isn't factored into any saves, really, but just another name to keep an eye on if if Presley somehow this does kind of you know keep Presley out longer than the next week or two. The
1: next name I want to dive into, we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show with Rising, and it seems like you guys have somewhat different opinions about how soon he'll jump back into the closer role. And that's Josh Hader. So we'll start with you, Rick. You had him on one zero three ups. Is Josh Hader back? Is he the full-time closer out in San Diego now?
2: I think his role is close. I mean, they used Martinez in the setup role last night and Hader in the ninth. And it's either them trying to... It was, a, I believe it was a three-run game. So I wonder if it's them trying to get Hader confidence or if this is actually a, an official change and... I'm I'm thinking that the the situation the Padres are in right now, they're still you know they're not guaranteed a playoff spot. So I think that they see that they're, they they got to press a little bit here, and they traded for Josh Hader to be this shutdown closer. And it's not like Martinez was being Martinez was is, has had a good year out of the bullpen, but it's not like he's been you know unhittable. He, he he's he's had a little bit of a he had some hiccups lately and. I think they just want to they think haters, right? They think his mechanics are set or back to where, you know, he was at his best. So, and he's throwing strikes at least. So I I think they're going to just ride with him in the role for better or worse moving forward.
1: And Jake, you seemed a bit hesitant about that when we were talking about it earlier in the show. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. Do you think it's still more of a, more of a committee?
0: I think it's still more of a committee. I do agree with Rick that, They're trying to get his confidence back by putting him in the ninth inning. But it's definitely not been convincing what he's done. Obviously, the results are good. In his last three appearances, he does have two saves. But those sandwich an outing where he did allow a run. And that's sort of disappointing because it was against the Diamondbacks. And they're not too great. But if you dive a little bit deeper and look at the specifics of those three outings, he wasn't getting swings and misses. In the the first one, the the first save that he got on the 31st of August, he got three whiffs. And but it was just with a 21% CSW because those were the only whiffs that he's got. He doesn't really rely on called strikes, but he did so in that outing where he allowed a run. He had no whiffs and a three three called strikes. And on the other one, he had only oh, computer's going slow again. He had no whiffs <laughs> again. So so his last two outings, he has no whiffs. This is a guy who's like supposed mm-hmm. to be the biggest swinging Mitch miss pitcher in baseball and he's not been doing that over the last few games he has one strikeout of the 11 batters that he's faced so i'm pretty skeptical that he is right because hater is the guy who's got you know like a 40 percent strikeout rate and he's not striking anybody out and that's supposed to be you know the sign that he's back and just because he shut down the giants and the the diamondbacks doesn't necessarily mean that he's back like he's still only three outings removed from that six earned run disaster in Kansas city. So I'm still going to be very skeptical, especially when they have other options. I think the fact that Hader pitched on yesterday, which is a Wednesday we're recording on Thursday, but I I think that the fact that he pitched on, on that day is just because the the bullpen has just been pretty taxed. I know Nick Martinez pitched on three, the last three days. So he's been, pushed super hard so i don't know but like like i said it's hard to look at what he's done and be totally convinced that you know haters back if he came out there and had even one outing where he struck out multiple batters or or was getting a ton of whiffs Mm -hmm. or one of his pitches was looking better i think i would feel a little confident but that's really not the case
1: it's gonna be very interesting and you know it's probably gonna lead into the what we what we're watching for and that's I think the, one of the easiest things to watch for my home league roster that's going to be heading in the playoffs is hoping Jake's wrong. I'm hoping that Josh Hader is stepping right back in the role and getting me some of those some of those points and some of those saves to push me to over the top. But like you said, they have used Martinez for three straight days. So hopefully it's not that and hopefully Hader's working his way back and becoming worth that capital they traded away to get him but speaking of committees we may be headed back to one in Philadelphia as we mentioned Sir Anthony Dominguez is coming back is going to be rehabbing next day or so and should be back in Philadelphia shortly after that so Jake what's your expectation out in Philadelphia when he returns does he go right back to the closer role to become a committee what's your kind of read on the situation
0: this one is sort of confusing because When Robertson was acquired by the Phillies, the interim manager, Rob Thompson, said that they were going to use a committee, and then they didn't. (laughs) They just went to Sir Anthony (laughs) the whole time. So I I don't trust whatever he says. So if he has said anything, definitely believe the opposite. But when Sir Anthony was pitching a bunch and and has pitched a lot this season, Rick and I talked a couple weeks ago about pitchers that could be limited within the last month because of their workload or or you know things like that their effectiveness teams being out of contention obviously the Phillies are in contention but Sir Anthony is coming off Tommy John surgery he hasn't pitched this many and he's pitched more innings this season already than he has in the last three years so uh, it's it's pretty it's a pretty big jump like it's only 44 innings but I mean that's 44 innings more than he pitched in 2020 and 43 more than he pitched in 2021 so he's definitely a big jump up for him and I think that could factor into it like I, I would expect it to go back to what it was before he got injured as him being the only closer out there or just the main guy with Robertson being the secondary guy getting saves every once in a while but because they may want to limit Dominguez especially since he just got injured they want to keep him healthy going into the playoffs as a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a while I think that they'll go for a committee or even possibly just keep Robertson in the closer role but it's hard to tell right now considering Thompson does seem to be indecisive somewhat
1: and we'll stick with that committee talk and move it over to Rick's favorite team. We'll move it to Boston. I'm still very, very confused, Rick. I'm not going to lie. With what your team is doing. I know you mentioned you're going to be going to a game within the next, by the time we record our next show after this one. Hmm. What's going on out there? Can you give me some sort of clarity and similar to what we asked for Philly? Is this a committee? Is it John Tribler? What's going on?
2: I'm not sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> wish i had answers for you i so i i'm under the you know if it was up to me i i would like to just see garrett whitlock be like just s- settle him into the closer role see what you have for next year um and he, he's got a very team-friendly contract moving forward and i know they i think they had really hope for him to be a rotation piece but He's just so dominant out of he was okay in the rotation but he's just so dominant out of the bullpen that like I don't there's no need to really mess with that and just you know make him your closer for the next four or five years and be done with it and Schreiber's you know it, it, you're struck lightning in a bottle with him this year I think it's sustainable I don't know you know you know he's gonna come back next year and he's definitely gonna be in a high leverage role i Closer setup role, whatever. But I, I think I'd rather Whitlock just because he's. I, I like having that like three pitch mix in the in the ninth inning ability to get lefties out just as well as righties helps. And then you know I, I don't know what you do with Matt Barnes and that was if, if you're not going to put Whitlock in the closer role, I think Matt Barnes should like just all right let him finish out september in the closer role because he's owed eight point i think it's eight point seven five million next year so it's like he's the guy you're paying to close out games if you're out of contention let's let's see if he can figure things out in september and you know get some positive momentum building towards next year but right now i i i don't really know i i think they want to use either whitlock or Barnes in the closer role but i feel like they've felt the need to use Schreiber because they like, I mean, Cora likes bringing Whitlock in earlier in games and Barnes has just been very, very hit or miss even since coming back. He's been better, but still he's not Matt Barnes from 2020, 21. So I don't know. I don't know where this goes. I think, I think Schreiber is the one guy you can trust right now with Whitlock being, if they're going to use him in multi-inning situations, he probably won't see as many saves. So, I, I'm leaning towards Schreiber if you want saves moving forward, but I, again, it's it's not a perfect science with what they're what they're doing right now.
1: Yeah, and the same can be said about the next team that we're going to be talking about and the final team for this section. It's the Texas Rangers we saw on Wednesday night. Them go through multiple guys and try and push Jonathan Hernandez multiple innings, which didn't fully work out because they had a walk off wild pitch. But Jake, if you're trying to pickup saves and texts you're trying to figure out the situation is it hernandez is it somebody else what's your what's your current read out there
0: they seem to really want to use hernandez they're really pushing it he's been struggling for the last couple of weeks or so i remember last podcast right after we got done recording, he blew a big save against Mm -hmm. the Red Sox, which Rick was watching live. So that was, uh, that was tough to watch. And then, yeah, like you said, he he blew a game last night too, which was, uh, zombie runner induced, but nonetheless, (laughs) it was, uh, it's not been the last great last couple of weeks and Jose Leclerc has been getting saves all the while and I think he's probably the best choice they seem wary to use Matt Moore in any situation like that and they don't really trust the rest of their bullpen at least in the ninth inning so I think Leclerc is the guy to pick up obviously they want Hernandez to do that but I think Leclerc is much better he's striking out more batters he's got a better ERA he's tossed more innings I think he's he just seems a lot more A lot safer, more dominant, and I think he'd be my preferred option in Texas.
1: Now, was the Hernandez blown save tough to watch because it was Hernandez and he blew a save? Or is it because Rick was happy and the Red Sox were having success?
0: (laughs) Uh, I think it was tough to watch because actually, you know what? I wasn't watching, but I think it was the opposite of tough because I had told Rick right before that I had dropped him in a number of leagues and then he did that. So I, I was sort of feeling a little bit relieved that I had just <laughs> really I had just released him right before he sort of blew it. So, yeah, I, I'm glad I jumped off the train when I did. So maybe it was more release relief. But I think if I were to have been a Texas Rangers fan, it would have been tough to watch.
1: You now I gave you the perfect opportunity to throw our co-hosts under the bus, and you didn't take it. I am disappointed. I am, disapp- I am hey, disappointed. Man. I'll I'll take being upset that the Red Sox were having a slight bit of success, but I haven't had to do that too much this year, so it works out pretty, pretty nicely. Pretty nicely. Yep, I I'm back, you. and I am throwing Haymakers. Let's go. Let's go. I, I, I don't have I don't have much room to talk. My team's almost collapsed a fifteen team fifteen game lead in their division, so I don't have too much room to talk. But I'll take the slight wiggle room I get.
2: I can't really come back to that. I'd- I will say Leclerc though, and just Hernandez Leclerc. I I really like Hernandez, but I've I've been a huge fan of Leclerc for like five years now. So I I love seeing that he's been able to bounce back from, you know, Tommy John, and he's really pitched well this season for the most part. So yeah, I I would like I would love to see him finish the year as the closer and see where that takes him next year.
1: We I feel like in the early days of this podcast, you and I were talking about keep your eye on LeCurk. He's coming back. Keep your Hernandez. He's coming back. And now it's nice to see in September it's finally playing out and we're finally getting to have that debate as to, to who's the guy to roster out there. But it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on going forward. Again, it's Texas. How many saves are you actually going to get with Texas? But every save counts at this point in the season. So you definitely want to monitor that closely. But we're going to take a break here on the In The Pen podcast. When we get back, we're going to be diving into something a little different jake found some pretty interesting information about whether velocity is the predictor success whether you know if some of the best leagues in baseball they have the how hard they're throwing and it's some of our favorite names including a name you've heard at least a hundred times in this podcast so we're going to dive into that see whether there's any sort of correlation here but well, when we get back here on the in the Pen podcast All right, we're going to jump back right back in. I am Callen, joined with Rick and with Jake. We're diving right into this segment. We're going to be talking about velocity, how it correlates to reliever success, whether it's something that we need to monitor going forward or what it's going into. So, Jake, I'm going to let you take the lead right here and just lead us into this. So, what got you interested into looking at this? What Start us off here. What's, what's something you keep an eye on there?
0: Sure, I just trying to come up with things for the the podcast. We're pretty late in the season, so we've sort of run through everything. There there's not much we can do to sort of help fantasy managers at this point. All the closers are all picked up, the the well is run dry, the the teams that are gonna win their leagues are are looking like they're they're locked in at this point. So I, I was trying to think of things that like are interesting to talk about. I know last week we talked about guys that are sort of second half risers and, and we talked about there's how that success could play in a 2023. So like I'm, I'm sort of starting to move towards that mm-hmm. off season mindset of looking forward to 2023. So I was like, uh, uh, what's interesting, Uh fastball velocity, you know, 100 mile per hour pitches. Those are sick. So I just <laughs> pulled up the leaderboard for, forcing fastball velocity and I just saw the who's who of the best closers in baseball the best relievers in baseball and I was sort of caught off guard I mean obviously fastball velocity is what you want to see that's what it's a big predictor of success it, it I feel like it always has been and you know, Roger Clemens Randy Johnson all, all the big flamethrowers have always been amazing and it just seems to continue to be the case and right now if you just look at the the top 10 the top 15 or 20 it's just all the the best relievers in baseball and it it seems as though you just want to target guys that throw hard and even if they don't have any past success if you find a guy that throws 99 plus 98 plus they have a pretty good chance of turning into one of the best closers in baseball
1: and right at the top of the list we'll start with We're not gonna go through the full everybody or go too in-depth into everybody but i think you know, we kind of talked about him earlier, but one of the guys at the top of the list is Rick's boy, Johan Duran. Uh, so, Rick, I'll let you wax poetic about Duran. I know we kind of mentioned his current value, but do you think this could lead into some longer-term success? I know it's you know it's hard to predict going into the future, but do you think we could see him jump right in as the closer next year? Do you, what's a give a long-term value? you Think for Duran. Yeah,
2: I think, and and honestly, it kind of goes for these eight relievers we have here like i think there's all 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 eight of them have a chance to start next season as the potential closer for their team and have you know if duran's we, we've we talked about it a million times if duran's the closer like he's instantly you know top 10 level possibly top you know five or six uh closer in the game with what he's able to do and Obviously the fastball is, and it's again, same with a lot of these guys, it's the fastball that, that, you know, is electric, but it's the, it's the off speed stuff that like really gets, you know, hitters off balance and fooled. And that's why a lot of these, most of these guys have huge strikeout, you know, percentages because you're throwing 101 and then all of a sudden you break off a splitter or a slider and guys aren't expecting it. So you know it's it's it, it was crazy looking at this list to see that like oh wow the the, the top 8 relievers in fastball velo are all i mean arguably these could be the top 8 you know <laughs> relievers in baseball right now so it's, it's it's just goes to show like how that has you know kind of velocities changed the game and you know it's really you know something that still remains like you know unteachable and unhittable.
1: Yeah, and as we're talking about, you know, mentioning the Twins, we just saw Jorge Lopez Jorge Lopez has just worked himself into a tough situation here in the eighth against the Yankees. He had a 4-2 lead, kind of walked the bases loaded, walked in a run, and now they're turning it over to well, they were going to go for the lefty-lefty, but anyway, it's just funny how we talk about Jorge Lopez moving down, and he continues to struggle in Minnesota and the walks, like you mentioned, it's becoming a Becoming a major concern, but Jake, I'm going to move it over to you. Of the guys, I guess I'll we'll run through the list super fast. Duran, we got Andres Munoz, Emmanuel Classe, Ryan Helsley, Bruce Dargradal, Felix Bautista, Edwin Diaz, and Pete Fairbanks. Jake, why don't you pick one or two of those guys you are you're most intrigued with, who you think have the most long term value, or the most surprised by, and you know just d- dive in. What's been your feel about some of these players?
0: there's definitely a ton of it's a mix of names like you you have the guys like class a that is and diaz that are you know the top closers in the game right now and then you have some of these young setup guys like duran and muñoz that seem to be on the rise and then you have guys like helsley and bautista that that are breaking out and and then you have unknown names relatively unknown in terms of closerdom is like like graderol and fairbanks so so it's definitely like the whole gist of just every sort of type of arm that that you're you're looking for when you're trying to find some guys to draft. But they all have sort of different skill sets. If you look at someone like Mm -hmm. Munoz who throws the second highest fastball velocity, he only throws his fastball 37% of the time. He features a slider 63% of the time and that pitch has a 43.4% CSW. And I I think that that just shows like Rick was saying, (laughs) it's all about using the fastball to play off it. I remember when we were when Hunter Green wasn't injured and I was reading Nick's sp roundup every day and it was all about hunter green's fastball so good but it's so hittable it's so fast but it's so easy to get to that he needs to start relying on his slider more and then he did he started throwing the slider as his main pitch and the the fastball sort of became a secondary and that allowed it to play up because you know you're seeing all these off-speed pitches and then out of nowhere a hundred miles per hour comes whizzing by your head it's it's pretty hard to try to stay on both when, when one is coming in more often. So I, I think that's a big predictor of success is maybe looking for guys that have elite off-speed pitches, but it, it's like Rick said, it's also, it's like a natural thing. You're not going to find guys that just throw, like they're going to go from 95 miles per hour to 99 miles per hour because they landed with a new team. That That's sort of something that comes with your body. And that's where like Bruce, our lands. And I think he, hmm. Is one of the most interesting guys on here. I think is is Kimbrell a free agent this offseason? I think he is. Yeah, yeah I think so. Okay, because I think that just sets up Gradual to be one of the biggest sleepers in terms of closers this coming off season because he throws so hard he's never been getting those whiffs but if he can get an off-speed pitch that can sort of do what Munoz has been doing where it just plays off really well off his fastball and he's able to use the fastball as more of a secondary he could really take off because he throws so hard with so much ease and guys like that are are ones that uh, as we see from this list like all you got to do is really throw hard and then you're going to turn into one of the best relievers in baseball and yeah, I mean, that that's about it with him. But I think that the last guy I'd like to talk about is Helsley, because mm-hmm. I did say that you can't really add velocity to get up to that point. But Helsley did that. Like he was not throwing this hard last year. I think his fastball velocity in 2021 was 97.4 and now it's up over 99 miles per hour. So he added two miles per hour to get up into this elite range and immediately took off into the elite level of closers he's been like the second best closer i think he's been honestly like the best closer on a per game basis he just doesn't get enough saves he's got Mm -hmm. the lowest era in baseball i think he's got the lowest whip he's striking out 40 percent of batters he's been absolutely elite and we've not seen this from him because he's never featured velocity like this so i think that's that's another thing is sometimes you're just not going to see these guys but that's something that you can look for early on in the season if a guy is averaging 99 miles per hour on his fastball after averaging 97 or, or just adding any sort of velocity to their fastball that's something that you got to jump on real quick because that could be a breakout that's incoming we've seen that with brock burke as well who's sort of in a different vein as as more of a long reliever but he added a couple miles per hour to his fastball and has been lights out all year but you know going going back to muñoz my last point i'll make on this is that mm-hmm. he was sort of a relatively unknown name. I mean, people knew of him. He was a big prospect, but he just threw 100 miles per hour. He's always throwing 100 miles per hour. There are guys like that. There there, there are guys around the league that throw 100 miles per hour. They just haven't been up in the majors or they, they haven't gotten too many chances. Like they're not qualifying for this list because they haven't thrown 250 pitches or whatever. And those are the guys you're going to want to hop on because we've seen Duran take off. We've seen Munoz take off this year. And we've seen like Felix Bautista take off this year because those guys are throwing a hundred miles per hour. And you know, they weren't getting as many opportunities before, whether that be because they were starters in the minors like Duran or, or because they were dealing with injuries like Munoz or whether because they were just, buried by the rest of the bullpen like uh, Bautista but those are going to be the guys to watch out for going into next season the guys that are already throwing 100 miles per hour but aren't really super well known names
1: yeah I don't think you really said anything that's wrong there it's really going to be interesting and I think that's going to be we've had our predicting success was like usage and adding the velocity but like you said when you see these guys starting at the elite level we were able to pick up on it fairly, you know, it was fairly quick once Hesley put that use. And once he started seeing the velocity throw, he threw out, I remember watching the All-Star game and just being blown away. You knew how good he was but just seeing it at the, on the national stage like that. And it, it's, it's been a, a lot of fun to watch. And you s- also see what Felix Bautista is one that really just jumps off the page. Like you said, it's all these guys were journeymen, but, or a couple of these guys like were journeymen and we didn't expect too much from. And all of a sudden he's become a beloved Player in Baltimore, he has one of the coolest entry entrances in all of as a closer. The way they shut down, played the whistle, all that stuff. It's uh, it's it's truly, it's truly amazing. Rick, you have you have anything else else to add with that? I think Jake kind of did a pretty really good job of summarizing it. But you have anything else you want to add with, with regards to this?
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, he did a, did a good job, and well, as. Helsley added some velo this year so has I, it's only been i think eighteen and something change innings for Pete Fairbanks, but uh yeah he, he's upped his velo this year and he has been since he, he he's only pitched the second half of the season but he's been uh absolutely lights out and just goes to show you like he's always been pretty good, but just that little added you know two miles per hour to his fastball has turned him into a pretty much shut down reliever that I think over his, he, he let up like three runs in his first two outings coming back. And since then, he's only allowed one. So, and it, it is also goes to show you, like with class, class A a little bit, but mostly Gratterall. Gratterall is not a big strikeout guy, even though he throws, you know, 100 miles per hour. He he gets a ton of ground balls, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Clay Holmes just missed this list. Another guy who he, he gets mm-hmm. strikeouts too, but, you know, big ground ball guy. So just because, you throw ninety nine to one hundred doesn't mean you know you have to go striking everybody out. You you can still you know be very effective just getting soft contact. Like class a is like the king of getting ugly swings and limiting you know barrels. So it doesn't just because you're throwing ninety nine doesn't mean you have to become the, this ultimate strikeout you know reliever. You you can still be successful like Raderall has been this season when he's been healthy, like just you know getting a ton of ground balls
1: we've been waiting for the Bruce all gradual, you know, I don't want to say breakout, but emergence for years now or since that trade from Minnesota. And like Jake said, this could be, I mean, this might finally be it. And after next, after the season of Craig Kimbrell's a, mm-hmm. a free agent, you wonder if the Dodgers are going to go splurge on a reliever or if they'll just say, all right, it's finally your role. It's time for you to to emerge like that. It's going to be interesting to keep an eye on that. It's the same thing with some of the other guys. You wonder if you know Felix Bautista's done it much enough to keep going. If the Orioles decide their next step is to add a back end, of your bullpen arm do we Just what does Seattle do with Munoz? They throw thrown back in this committee, and it continues to annoy the heck out of us. Same thing with Tampa. It's it's a it really is amazing just how just how different these guys seem to be. How we have the elite of the elite, and then there's these uh, kind of journeyman unknown guys who have worked their way up and instead like become one of the elites of the elite in terms of relievers in baseball
2: yeah i don't see why any one of these eight guys shouldn't be the closer for their respective team next year but obviously things can change in the offseason but i feel like all eight of them i mean they should and depending on yeah depending on what the dodgers do the sure they'll sign someone but the rest of you know the rest of these guys should be their closer the closing out games for their teams next year
1: jake anything any final thoughts uh
0: I think you can already start to pick out some guys that are going to be taking off next year mm-hmm. because they're just like right outside the list, right outside the mm-hmm. top 10. Jordan Hicks is one of the obvious ones. He was starting this year for some Odd reason, I have no idea what convinced the Cardinals to do that. That was one of the goofiest offseason yeah. storylines was oh, we're convincing the hardest thrower in baseball to be a starter. I was like, Why? <laughs> but nonetheless, it's like
1: when it's like when the Reds decided Ralda chapman should be a starter. I, I, yeah. I, did, I never got that from the beginning when they started doing that. Like you have an elite back in the bullpen arm who throws a hundred, which you didn't see at the time, and was like, yeah, we want him to start.
2: The Red Sox set Daniel Bard back seven years trying to get him in his rotation. So, yeah, I, I feel...
0: yeah, the only success story on that front is like Chris Sale was the only one who was like came up yeah. as a reliever and then we're going to push him into the rotation. But yeah, n- nonetheless, I think Hicks is a very obvious one. He's always thrown really hard. He's sort of in the same vein as Gratterall in that he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts for a guy that throws as hard as he does. And the same can be said for Junior Fernandez, who's on the same team. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts either, but he throws just as hard as Hicks. Maybe not at the peak, but he averages around 90-99 with both his his four-seamer and his sinker. So he's another interesting one. He's still only 25. So if he can learn some stuff, he came up at the age of 22 in 2019. So he he could still learn some things and, and take off. He has a 2.93 ERA this year, but it's comes with a 5.90 FIP, so he's definitely been a little bit lucky but uh, he, he's another one to watch and then I, I think other than that there, there's like Javi Guerra who's sort of I, there's a lot of guys that are in that same vein of they throw that hard but they don't get the strikeout so it just seems like maybe it's just a switch of pitch mix and doing the Munoz impression of turning to an off-speed mm-hmm. pitch more often <laughs> but, but there's a lot of guys like that on, on the four-seamer sinker and cutter list that have that upper echelon velo, but don't get the strikeouts they need. And I think that's the difference between being just some guy who throws hard and somebody who turns into one of the best relievers in baseball. So it'll be interesting Interesting to see what those guys can improve on in the offseason, what they turn into next year, and who appears on this list going into 2023 and in, in the first month or so who who's, you know, topping that leaderboard. I think one of the most interesting names is is like hunter harvey he's always thrown really hard Mm -hmm. he averages 98 miles per hour with his fastball which is just outside the like 99 threshold of all the guys that we've been talking about but you know i mean adding just 0.8 miles per hour is a lot easier than adding five miles per hour since he's he's already almost there so uh, that's another guy to watch out for especially on a team that doesn't really have a closer right now so there's there's gonna be tons more guys as, as we've seen this season that are going to emerge but I think velocity is a key indicator of pitchers being dominate.
1: Yeah, I remember those Hunter Harvey days of the draft season when Harvey was supposed to be the guy in Baltimore. It's another one of those guys we've just been waiting for him to merge, and you know next year may finally get his opportunity. I, I think that's the name. You know, you bring him up now, I think that's the name I'm probably be circling for like a late draft pick in some of my. Um, similar to how I was drafting Anthony Bender and Art Warren, except this time this actually will work out for me. But Rick, you have any final names you want to throw in as the guys who fit that similar mold like Jake did or
2: he kinda stole my I was gonna bring I was gonna bring up Harvey as well because yeah, as long he's been pitching well since he he got called up this year. As long as he stays healthy next year, I mean he could very as and he stays with the Nat the, the Nationals, I, I feel like he could take over that closer role uh and be like an yeah an under under the radar, you know, sleeper pick. Um other than that, looking at some of these, you know, Dylan Coleman in Kansas City has always intrigued me. I don't know they have Barlow, but they could maybe move Barlow in the off season and maybe that opens up Coleman to, to get some saves in Kansas City. Um you know, I talked about Albert Albert Abreu a little bit earlier. Um yeah, I mean, th- th- definitely looking at this list of like these these guys throwing over 97 now. I I mean, it's definitely an intriguing list to look at and names to keep an eye on. And a lot of these guys are already, you know, established relievers, but there's, you know, there's some young some young names here that maybe just need a little tweak or two either in their pitch mix or, you know, release point or, you know, something just to get them to where they need you know where they can Fully break out, so yeah, definitely. Oh, Anthony Bender on here, another one. If he gets <laughs> healthy next year, that's that's a, that's a place out a, a reliever I would have interest in is in Miami.
1: It's a good reminder of not only names to you know circle to keep your eye on going into next season, but na- but the the model to look out for if you pick up on something quickly in spring training a velocity uptick like that or some sort of report mm-hmm. during you know early in the season we may want to be more uh, aggressive and attacking these uh, potential committees and these guys jumping up like that because we've seen how quickly they can turn from, you know, middle reliever to, Oh wow. They're closer in about two weeks. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on and something to start, you know, it's never too early to start thinking about next season in the future. I know we're all competing for championships here out here, but it's nice to, it's nice to start thinking about the, the future with that. So we'll wrap up as we always do with some of the things we're looking forward to watching this coming week. We kind of, so I'll do the real quick. The obvious one is Josh Hader back. We had that discussion at the beginning of the show. I'm definitely keeping an eye on that. So I'll take that one off the board, but mm-hmm. you know, Jake, we'll start with you. What's one of the two things you're kind of keeping an eye on going down the stretch and, you know, if I can make a potential imp- difference for the guys competing for a championship.
0: I think the easiest one is in Texas where it looks like Leclerc may be taking over for Hernandez if he keeps struggling. So I, I think that's the easiest spot to actually be able to make an impact because, like I said earlier, there's there's not much on the wire left. Uh, most of the guys that are getting saves have been scooped up, and I think there's a big chance that Leclerc is out there on the wires. I can look up his uh, Yahoo rate, but you know what? If you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about going to pick up LeClerc, I'm sure you're going to go pick him up and look up if he's available in your league. So I don't think the roster rate is going to be changing anybody's mind. But th- that's an interesting one. I also think Miami is pretty interesting because I mean we didn't talk about this at all, but Tanner Scott hasn't pitched in over a week. So that's something to keep an eye out for because he was the closer for a long time and they haven't had any saves since then. But there's definitely a possibility that either they're looking to rest him more because they feel confident about his abilities for next season or maybe they're he's dealing with some sort of injury that they're not willing to put him on the il for but that's definitely another situation i'm going to be watching for so the marlins and the rangers are definitely a couple teams to keep an eye on and i think are going to be able to be enacted upon in the on the waiver wire
1: rick any other any other situations you're, you're monitoring
2: yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but Boston just seeing if they find someone to, to roll with for the rest of the year or if they just keep going with this three-headed committee that they have going on. Um, also, and I, I the Dodgers has been kind of, I, I don't really know who the closer is there. I, I feel like they might be getting closer to having Kimbrel, you know, if it, giving Kimbrell that rollback, um, but it's it's been a while, and he's been pitching better lately. Um, and I'm sure they want him to be their guy for the playoffs. So I would look to see where they go if they if they have any save opportunities in the coming week. And then um, Chicago, too. I'm still the white the not the White Sox, the Cubs. Uh, Brandon is Brandon Hughes the guy, or is Rowan Wick still gonna chip into his save opportunities? Because for whatever reason, they are obsessed with Rowan Wick. There, so yeah, those are the three. Those are the three spots I'm kind of looking looking at the next week.
1: Yeah, definitely keep an eye on these situations. We know that those those little tweaks. Those extra that one extra save could make the difference between coming in first and getting a championship or finishing as a runner up. So you know, keep an eye on those situations. For all the update news, as always, go to pitcherlist.com. We have Rick's reliever saves holds ranks jake comes out every day pretty much with the reliever ranks and the the latest updates on every game to close their situation out in every bullpen and they're two huge pieces down this stretch that you're going to want to almost be checking daily just to make that extra difference in your league so that's going to do it on this episode of in the pen i am Callan, joined as always with rick and jake We're gonna be coming at you every week for the rest of the season, trying to make that trying to help you win a championship by helping you out in the bullpen. So thanks for listening to another episode of the In the Pen podcast.